This is the podcast from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, June 19th, 2011. I am second, living the dream. Well, you know, as a, as any young girl, you, you see all the movies of, uh, they live happily ever after, and you have the husband and the children, and everybody's happy, and I thought that that's what I would have, and I had the ingredients, but it just never cooked out to be the real thing. My marriage was full of verbal abuse, walking on eggshells, um, but wanting so bad for it to work. I had the five-bedroom home um, in the suburbs, you know, everything looked like it was great. Um, but it was hollow. It was empty. I couldn't have loved anyone any harder than I loved my ex-husband. After five or ten years, uh, somewhere along the line, he stopped liking me and he let me know in every part of his being that I annoyed him. I didn't make enough money. I didn't keep the house clean. Like, you're supposed to have pine salt in. Well, is that so hard? I'm too this, I'm too that. He wouldn't even say hi or how are you. It was just like, you're home. You try to smile and act like everything is fine and that you're happy and, and when you're just slowly dying inside. When I saw my son say, when I get bigger, mommy, when I get bigger, all I could hear in his little voice is that, mommy, I'm, I'm going to protect you. And I was like, you're three. You're not supposed to try to protect your, your mom. i never forget Maya Angelou saying that, does your face light up when, um, when your child comes in the room? And that was important for me um, to make sure my son knew that when he walked in the room that... He was loved, that my face lighted up, that his father's face lit up, and that just was not happening no matter what I did. I'm sorry. After he'd been gone for about a year, um, we were going through the divorce procedures, and it got ugly. Um, I realized that, wow, I have to do this by myself. The fear of trying to raise a black male in this society by myself on my income um, was fearful, real fearful. I was in church and we were talking about where you have God, your husband, your wife, and your children. And I'm in there thinking, I don't have all that. You know, what am I going to do? And then he said, Jesus Christ. Jesus will feel your brokenness, whatever. He'll be your father. He'll be your husband. He'll be whatever is missing. And, I mean, I cried out because I didn't realize how bad I was hurting and, and how much of lost I was feeling. I don't know how it's going to end. I don't know uh, where my life is going to be, but I know that I have a Savior that is he's, he's awesome. Nothing has changed. Um, I'm, I'm still in a job that I work 
too long, not, not getting the pay that I think I deserve. I still have this car that, thank God, is still running. It has over 257 miles on it, and I would love a new car, but it is so not in the budget. I'm one that's living paycheck to paycheck, but I'm so happy. If you have him first in your life, everything will be okay. Everything. Your heart, your soul, your family. It may not be the family that you thought you were going to have. It may not be what you had envisioned. But when you start looking at him first, everything else, everything else falls into place. I am second. Well, good morning, Connection Church. Happy Father's Day to everybody. And wow, Rick and Lindsay, it's great to see you. Now, I'm not going to call anybody else out. If I had... If I had known you were here, you could, guys could have gotten up and preached, but I guess you're on vacation, aren't you? Um, to our congregation and those of you who were at Charge Conference on Monday night, we referenced Rick, uh, son of Bob and Beth, that he was part of Connection Church and went on to the ordained ministry and uh, married Lindsay, and we've been on this journey together, but would you just stand up because we want to recognize you and say welcome. We're glad that you're here. Yeah. So that's all, and are you on vacation? Okay. We're glad that you chose to worship with us today. Well, to everybody else, good morning. My name's Carrie Jones, and normally... Like, this is really rare that I'm here by myself. I stand here, if, if this is your first time, I stand here, and my husband, Alan, stands here, and we have this tag team preaching thing going on, kind of like anchors of a news, only we're preaching the gospel instead of telling, you know, what's happening in the world. And um, I'm here solo today because, well, here's the truck. Megan and Ted loaded it up, and um, this took off today at... Five o'clock this morning with the car in tow, and they're headed to Texas. And um, I called Alan. They uh, were having a good time. You know, whenever Alan and Ted are together, they have a blast. They have like these trucker names for each other. And, you know, they've got lots of snacks, and they're trying to keep each other awake. And they'll arrive sometime very late tomorrow night because it's a very long way away. Um, but Alan will be back and, uh, we say goodbye to Megan on Tuesday and it's finally here. Um, and we appreciate your prayers this week for our family as we uh, learn how to adjust in a new way. Well, I am a sinner and I've been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So I invite you to pray with me right now. God, thank you for your mercy, for your grace, for bringing us here today. It's no accident that any one of us are in this place, for you have a word to speak into our lives. So help us open up our hearts, open up our ears, so that we might hear what you say to us. Help us set our agendas aside of what happens at noontime and just really focus on you. We give this time to you in Jesus' name. And all of Connection Church said, Amen. Live in the dream. 
dreams. We all have them. Now, what you dream is different than what your dreams are, is different than what your... We all have different dreams, don't we? Now, some of us have had these dreams of these fairy tale weddings and a marriage to match. Uh, some of us might dream of having this big old house in the country with a caboodle of kids and the white picket fence and this, you know, acres of land with horses. Doesn't resonate with you, Tom? Not yet. Okay. How about being a professional athlete or an actress or maybe a rock star? Your dream might be to be a, uh, a doctor or a scientist to travel around the world. Or maybe you've had dreams to be a, a corporate CEO or possibly to start your own business. Maybe your dream is to stay at home with your kids. Or maybe that dream is to find a job and to get to work. Now, Alan's dream when he was young was to be a mechanical engineer, and he wanted to work for GM and design cars and make $100,000 a year. My dream from when I was four years old on was to be a nurse. Well, my dream was realized, and um, I had a, a great ride with that, but God decided to change that dream along the way. For Alan, 11th grade trigonometry changed his dream. <laughs> he gave me permission to say that. For Shauna, the man of her dreams turned out to be not so dreamy. And so, as a result, her dreams were shattered. Things that she thought about for her marriage and for her family you know, it's rare that we fully are able to realize our dream. It, it's rare. It's because we don't live in, in a perfect world. I mean, stuff happens, doesn't it? It's, it's just that simple. Or maybe it's just that complicated. Live in the dream. What do you do when something or someone gets in the way of living the dream. What do you do? How do you handle it when you're no longer living the dream? The Bible gives us lots of stories of people for one reason or another who aren't living the dream, whose dreams weren't realized. Perhaps the dream that they had was unrealistic or the dream that they had simply was out of the will of God. Maybe their dream was changed. Something happened to, to derail that dream. It could have been a change of circumstance, a job, something in the health, something in family. Sound familiar? Isn't that what happens to us as well? Whatever the reason, this book is filled with people who are seeking, who are not living the dream. And it's interesting where they turn. I'd like to share a story. It's found in Mark chapter 5, a story of a, a man named Jairus. Now, Jairus was a synagogue leader. The synagogue was central 
to the Jews. It was the worshiping place for the Jews. So it was a very, very important place. And Jairus was the synagogue leader. He was the one in charge of administration and good management. The position that he held had great importance, and it was highly respected. So he was the kind of guy that when he spoke, people would pay attention to him. He was one to be listened to. Now, if we uh, fast forwarded to today, the job that he held would be likely have lots of good benefits, you know, good pay, good health insurance, maybe a country club membership. I mean, the guy had it all. He had it all, highly respected. He was living the dream. And then it happened. In an instant, it happened, not to him, but to his little girl. His little girl, who was 12 years old, she got sick. She got really, really sick. In fact, her very life was in the balance. And in an instant, his life was turned upside down. In an instant, the future no longer looked like what it did the moment before. You know, when we, when we have kids, I know the parents in this room, you know, we, we have all these hopes and dreams for the future for our kids. And in an instant, that was turned upside down. Dreams shattered. Can you imagine what that's like? Some of us know what that's like. So what do you do? Where do you turn? Well, let's take a look at what Jairus did. Uh, For that, though, isn't it amazing what we're willing to do, the lengths we're willing to go when our lives are turned upside down, especially when it concerns our kids? Well, for Jairus, it meant turning to someone who many in the very synagogue that he was a part of thought was dangerous. It meant that he was turning to the one who was shaking things up, who was considered an outsider, to the one who was a very threat to what the Jews believed. And that person that Jairus turned to, his name was Jesus. Jairus cast his dignity, his importance, he cast everything aside, and he literally fell at the feet of Jesus. Picking up at at verse 23, we read, seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly. See, there's a pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with them. So here we have Jairus throwing himself at the feet of Jesus on behalf of his daughter. So Jesus went with him. Then we have to push the pause button because right here in the middle of this story, we have a story within a story. We have a a dying girl and a sick woman. Along the way, Jesus encounters another person who is no longer living the dream. In fact, we have to wonder how long it had been, if she ever 
lived the dream. It was a woman who had the issue of bleeding, a woman with the hemorrhage. And the Bible tells us that she had been bleeding for 12 years. Now, this was not good news because she was considered unclean. She was considered dirty. And so her life and Jairus's life and their situation were so very different. Here's Jairus, high ranking at the top of her ga- at the top of his game, and here's this woman in the margins of society. And rather than the immediacy of this daughter who was sick, she had been dealing with this issue for twelve years. Interesting, 12-year-old girl, 12 years. I'm going to have to do some study to see if there's anything to that. She had spent all of her money on, on trying to get help, and Scripture tells us that she was only getting worse. Her dreams had been gone for a long, long time, and about the only one she had left was the dream of getting better, and that was looking pretty dim as well. Until... Until Jesus came to town. Until she heard that the one who was the creator of the world, the savior of the world, was coming through town. And so when she heard this, she could dream again. She risked her faith She risked, and and she went to Jesus. She went to him. If we look at Mark chapter 5, verse 27 through 29, she heard about Jesus, and she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. I like that word immediately. That's, anyway, immediately. Can you imagine after all those years and immediately she was healed? Now, all at once, this uh, story goes on to tell us that Jesus realized that power had gone from him and he looked around to see who had touched his robe. Now, I'm a little curious about this one, too, because if Jesus knows everything, you know, what is that about? He's wondering who did it. Anyway, one of those questions that uh, I have. He kept looking around, and she finally fell at his feet. Now, remember, Jairus fell at his feet. Now she's falling at his feet, and she was trembling in fear. And she told him the whole truth, that, that it was her. And we look at verse 34. And Jesus says to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. See, once again, she could dream the dream. She had hope for a better future. Well, back to Jairus. So Jesus and Jairus were walking along the road trying to get to Jairus' daughter who was really sick. Then Jesus uh, pauses and and in compassion, heals the woman with the hemorrhage. And you can, can you just see Jairus? Oh, come on, Jesus, we got to get there. We got to get there. Probably very impatient. And while Jesus was speaking, word came from Jairus's house that the daughter had died. 
Word said, no need to bother the teacher anymore. She's gone. Well, Jesus overheard that. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. What? Just believe. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Well, Scripture says that at this point, Jesus told everybody, he just kept his inner circle with him, and they they traveled on. They approached the house, and when they got to the house, there were people that were crying and wailing loudly. I've experienced that as as a hospice nurse. You know, I, I pull up to the house, and as I'm getting to the door, I'm hearing the crying and the wailing loudly. I've seen banging on the, the walls. I mean, the expression of grief can be so, so great and so, so deep. Well, Jesus says, why are you crying and wailing? This child is not dead, but she is sleeping. This child is not dead, but she is sleeping. Verse 40 says, but they laughed at him. Now, it probably wasn't a ha-ha-ha, that's like funny kind of joke laugh, but like a crazy, you are a nut kind of laugh. You know, one of those nervous kind of laughs. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. Next slide, please. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha koam, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, there's that word again. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. I would have been as well. He gave strict orders to not let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Okay, so she was dead. Now she's sleeping. She gets up. Go get her something to eat. Isn't that the first thing we often do? Like, well, we're through that. Let's get something to eat. Ice cream, cheesecake, I don't know. All right. Jairus, his wife, his daughter, they're able to dream again. They're, they're living the dream. Now, chances are the dream that they had before they encountered Jesus and the dream that they have after they encounter Jesus are completely different. In fact, isn't that true for our lives? Before we meet Jesus, we have this dream. After we meet Jesus, the dream changes. It changes. Same with the lady with the issue of blood for 12 years. Her dream changed once she encountered Jesus. Live in the dream. Live in the dream. It doesn't seem to happen very often, fully. In Shauna's case, live in the dream of happily ever after life. That dream became hollow and empty. That dream turned out to be just a fantasy. Live in the dream. Now, back when I was living in Seaford, I, uh, I was making a hospice visit all day. I could write a book on some of these visits I've made. I was making a hospice visit one day to this 
family in Bridgeville. Anybody been to Bridgeville? Okay, a few of you. So there's a lot of, it's very rural, and my visit was kind of way out in the country. There wasn't a whole lot around, and um, I pull up to the house, and you know, you kind of get out of the car, and you have to weave your way around the cars and the stuff here and the stuff here, and you just kind of navigate through. When I come up to the house, and let me try to describe the house kind of um, indescribable, actually. Um, The most noticeable thing when I went in the door was that I noticed that birds were flying everywhere. Not like the birds you buy at the store, but real birds, real birds that are out in the sky (laughs) flying. Now, I'm not talking two or three birds. I'm talking a lot of birds just free reign in this place. Okay, so if you have a lot of live birds flying around in your house, you know, I'm like, like this, ducking. I'm not exaggerating either. What do you think's all over the house when you have birds flying around your house? Yeah, bird do. It was, it was really quite an interesting place. The walls, full. The couch had this plastic thing over it, and I couldn't sit down. And the guy, happy, so happy. And he says, come on, little birdie, watch this, watch this, Nurse Carrie. And, you know, the bird lands right in his head and just sits there like this. I'm thinking, wow, this is really interesting. (laughs) So he says, hey, look at my picture. And there's this picture above the mantle. And it's a picture of Elvis. And in that picture of Elvis, it says, living the good life. And he says, that's what I'm doing. I'm living the good life. I'm like, okay. Living the good life. When the context of what we're talking about, he felt that he was living the dream. Living the dream. You know, sometimes though, living the dream ends up with bird droppings all over our dream. Am I not right about that? Maybe not that, but you know what? Our dreams just end up in this place where we're like, what in the world? Everything turns upside down. And then when that happens, we tend to dwell on the wouldas, the couldas, the shouldas, you know, what happened. Usually what shatters our dreams is some kind of loss. It could be loss of a loved one, a relationship, a job. It could be health, When we lose something, it tends to put us in this place and we we have to figure out how to deal with the loss. And we have a choice. We can either get bitter or we can get better. Bitter or better. Now, 
As we deal with the loss, when we grow bitter, here's what happens. We allow the brokenness to create such a hole, such a void, such a darkness in our lives that we sink into this place that becomes hopeless. When we make a choice to get better, we allow the only one who can hold us tight and carry us through to help us on that journey back to living again. Bitter or better? As Shauna said in the video, and I quote, it's Jesus and Jesus alone who can fill what we are missing. Even though Jesus heals our brokenness, heals those, those dark places, the, the holes in our lives. It doesn't mean it's like this magic wand where everything is suddenly better. Although I do love that immediately stuff that we just read about. And that can happen. But oftentimes in our lives, it's gradual. And we just find ourselves beginning to see things a little bit differently. For Shauna, she said not a whole lot changed, but there were still challenging days. She was still underpaid. Her, her car had buku miles on it. She was living paycheck to paycheck, but there was a difference. Did you see the difference? She said she was happy. How about when she kind of started giggling? Wasn't that great? You could just see the countenance in her face change when she began to talk about the one who had made the difference in her life. And it's just not happy. She experienced joy. Joy doesn't come or go based on circumstance, what's going on in our lives, but it's there because it's foundational. It's Christ in our life. The difference was she made Jesus first and she was second. Living the dream. Living the dream. Jesus has a dream for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans for a hope and a future. There are promises in scripture like Zephaniah 3, 17, the Lord your God is with you. Read the rest with me. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Isn't that such a, a wonderful scripture to take in? Or how about John 10.10? 10? We talk about this scripture a lot. I have come so that you might have life and have it to the full. And Jesus doesn't want to withhold anything from us. He wants us to have the whole boat, the whole thing. He's ready to just dump everything into your lives. All we have to do is to take them in, to take them in. Romans 8. Boy, I really, really like this scripture. 838. For I am convinced that neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Do you see that word nothing? Nothing, nothing can separate us from God. 
We are never out of God's grip. There is nothing you have done that God will say, I am done with you. God loved you and designed you and desired you and breathed life into you. You are never out of his grip. And all he wants is to to take you in and to love you and for you to love God back. And so through Christ, we can live the dream. We can love the dream. And here's the thing. It's not just a dream. It's truth. It's absolute truth. The truth that God loved us enough to send his one and only son to live among us, to die on a cross, to rise again so that we might have life and have it to the full. So that we might never be alone. So that we might be able to forgive as we have been forgiven. So that we're able to love because God loved us first. Living the dream. That comes when Jesus is first and we are second. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of of your word, for all of the promises that you give us, that you'll never leave us or forsake us, that your mercies are new every day, that we can be in the shelter of your wings. Lord, your grace is sufficient. Help us take a step even closer toward you. We know that we know that you love each one of us so very much. And so we pray that everyone here would experience that to the full. Oh God, help us live a life where you're first and we're second. We pray this in your most holy and precious name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers.